Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. We always talk about of course, uh, the importance of fathers and their sons, we're like fathers and their daughters. Joining us is clinical psychologist, Dr. Nick Albert. Uh, Dr. Albert, how are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I have uh, my father, I got my mother, of course, uh, one brother, three sisters. And so, uh, can you talk about uh, how critical it is, the relationship uh, that exists, a strong bond between a father and daughter? Oh my goodness, it is so uh, critically important. It is imperative. Um, fathers are really for, for girls, for young women. That is our, that is our, that's the first man we fall in love with. That is the man who, who, who shows us who we are, how beautiful we are, how smart we are, all of the unique qualities that we have. And most importantly, Roland, that is the man that teaches us how men should treat us and how we should relate to men. So it is so incredibly important. And I 
also, I think, when you talk about how a bad relationship can be damaging. Uh, look, I've got two nieces. Uh, they um, lived with, I mean, their mother was uh, beaten, uh, assaulted, physically and sexually by their father. And uh, my oldest, and, and, and they have a bad view of their father. Don't want, don't want to be around them. And as, as the godfather, I had to be fiercely protective of them. Uh, and I remember when, you know, he got out of prison, he wanted to reach out to them. And I asked him, I said, well, are you still in the game? Are you still selling drugs? And he said, well, no, I'm not. And I, I said, he said, I never was. I was like, first of all, dude, you lying to me. And I made it clear. I said, you're not going to spend time with my nieces um, at all. And I said, because I have to be protective of them. And so the flip side is that that could actually have, I mean, that, that could have a negative effect and take, take girls years to go through and get over it and deal with that trauma uh, that was inflicted by that man. That is absolutely correct. There is some interesting research that says even an absent father for a young girl or for a boy um, is better than having a father who is uh, abusive, who is violent, who has substance abuse, uh, who, who cannot be available in, in, a, in a healthy and adaptive way. So you are absolutely correct. So resources would you recommend for a young father uh, to help him and guide him through uh, this, that, he, that, that prepares him for how he must cultivate that relationship between with their daughter? So, so you know, you know, obviously, one of the best ways to learn is by seeing, um, and, we, and we learn through modeling, right? And so, when you don't have that, you're at a distinct disadvantage. And so, what I would say to any young uh, father who is looking to uh, learn how to be a father or to be a better parent, just sort of writ large. Um, is, is to find other role models and, and, and we can we can look for them and find them in, in myriad places right in our churches um, uh, in our colleges and universities we have professors um, in our own families right we may have grandparents or or, or uncles uh, who are that who can be role models um, our black week letter uh, fraternities uh, so I think there are a number of, of ways there are parenting classes many communities and um, and courts family courts have these types of classes that can can help uh, young African-American men. All right, Dr. Nick Albert, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right, uh, Greg and Michael, I want to talk to y'all about this here. It really does piss me off that, that we spend so much time and energy around Father's Day. People, Greg, people could be literally in Australia or Thailand, <laughs> and they will kill themselves to get home for Mother's Day, but they could be, they could be in the same city in the same thing, Father's Day. Yeah, man, I see him come Thanksgiving. That's true, brother. I mean, you know, Mother's Day was created in Philadelphia, really. John Wanamaker uh, um, uh, Department Store. It's almost like a marketing kind of thing. It kind of emerged. And Father's Day came as, in many ways as a response to that. But we know in our communities, and I, you know, I agree with what Dr. Uh, Alfred said, you know, black men are used to not you know, getting all that affection. But then again, it's probably Father's Night every time man come home and get that big piece of chicken. 
like my daddy did for many years. But but we, Dr. Alfred said, I said, we won't lose track of that. I think about the the, the song, what was it, the, uh, the Winstons, Color Him Father. There's a lot of ways you can be a father. And I know that on Father's Day, I get texts from, like say, former students. You know, I don't have any biological children. I got a couple of godsons, and I got my nephew, and I know what it means to be an uncle who's there for a male, uh, male, you know, uh, and my nephew. You get texts, you get calls, and it's kind of an afterthought, but it's almost a running joke in the black community. Ain't no black man sitting up waiting on getting them calls for real. So, you know, maybe it's a little sad, but uh, maybe, and maybe we can do something about it. But I don't know. Maybe maybe you get those calls, Roland. It is, it is frankly offensive, Michael. I'm sorry. That how Father's Day and it's sort of like a blow-off day. Yeah, no big deal, you know, okay. Fine, alright, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll see you in two or three months. When the reality is, fathers matter just as much as mothers. Well, I tell you, the, the, the pressure on um, males, not just black males, males, to get to the store, get a card, get flowers, make reservation for Mother's Day brunch, which is, again, fine. That's just what kind of, if you're raised a certain way, that's just how you were raised and it's important. But on Father's Day, it's more of an individual thing. What you, You're thinking, what am I going to do with my day? <laughs> Not is it, I would love to spend time, three sons, I would love to spend time with them, and I do. But, you know, if I get a call from two of the three, that's a good Father's Day. Um, not that they, and then they'll be like, oh man, today's Father's Day, I need to text Dad. So yes, it is absolutely a different priority relative from the Mother's Day to a Father's Day. And whether that changes or not, I don't know. I remember growing up, my, um, my father used to say to us, Mother's Day is every day. Father's Day is just one day. Maybe you get what you want, maybe you don't. And so that's just how I was raised with my grandfather. I got to push back on that. If Mother's Day is every day, Father's Day is every day. And, and I think, and I get it, but, but, but I really do. And, he, he, and I know somebody probably said, well, why do you make a big deal out of this? Because the problem that I have is we literally have a culture that says daddies don't matter. I mean, in fact, let me tell you something. This actually happened. I was at, I was at with National Association of Black Journalists. We were in Chicago at our convention center a number of years ago. So we're sitting at the table. There's about 10 people at the table. And at the table, there are four lesbians at the table. One of them, Latina. Latina. She was talking about how, okay, uh, uh, me and my uh, partner, me and my wife, we have a kid and, you know, we're raising the kid fine. You know, uh, we don't need a male influence. I don't believe in that. There were two sisters who were lesbian who said, hold on now. We disagree. We know the importance of our fathers. And they were saying that even if we have kids as lesbians, there has to be a male influence. The dynamic of the conversation was real interesting because these black women saw it totally different in terms of how they feel about this, this dynamic. I've had this debate even among heterosexual couples or, or, or individuals who are single. We talk about the importance of a man. But I hear people say, oh, my mama was my daddy. No, she wasn't. <laughs> Just like we assume that a father can't be empathetic, that a father can't be loving, that a father can't be compassionate. And so I would never say that a father is a mother and a mother's a father. No, you are who you are. But I think as a society, 
we literally have created this entire worldview that daddy is optional. No, of course. Of course. But I do think that, you know, a lot of it has to do with enslavement. I don't think there is such thing as an American culture. There are many different cultures in this in this state we call America. And we look at African people, you know, you see uh, uh, we went through literally, particularly when the domestic slave trade ex explodes in the early 19th century. For about 50 years, we went through a process where breeding became the way that they created new people of African descent in this society. So you didn't know necessarily who your father was, but it had an unintended consequence of creating community mothers and fathers. Big mama and them, big, they weren't necessarily your biological kin. We still see that today. I mean, I'll give you one quick example. At graduation every year, you know, it's very moving to see men embrace their graduate children, particularly the daughters. And I think, again, Dr. Alfred's research is very important in this regard. When you see these sisters who may not have grown up with their biological father, but then here come their uncles and here come their grandfathers. And, and you see the pride in these men. There's a certain energy when you get a bunch of men in a, in a circle, the same way as this when you get a bunch of women. But when you see them come together in those moments of celebration, no one can say that men and fathers are not important. If they've ever been in a space where you see the interaction of that energy in our communities that were attacked biologically, but then it expanded our definition of mother and father. So no, I, that's probably why those two sisters pushed back. They know what it means to have somebody who's in the father role that may not be the biological parent. And, and that's the thing, Michael, that, that look, I, look, I don't have biological children, uh, but I've raised uh, six of my nieces. I have nine nieces, four nephews. I've raised six of those nine nieces off and on, literally by entire marriage for the last, last 19 years. And the thing that, 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 that's interesting, when you talk about that dynamic, when, when my sister and her two children, one was five, one was two, came to live with us, um, my wife and I only married about six months. And I was intentional terms of how we interacted. Now, here's what's very interesting. <clears throat> My nieces couldn't stand when we were affectionate to one another in front of them. And I was like, well, first of all, get the hell over this my house. <laughs> but the reason I was intentional is because one worldview, they saw a black man being physical with their mother. I needed them to see a black man being loving with his wife. I needed that to be corrected. And so when I took the job of the Chicago Defender, it was a hard decision because those formative years, five and two, I would be away. And so in the household, it would be my sister, my wife, and then my two nieces. I, I, I was serious about the role that male influence and the role that we play and so that's why for me it is it is deeply embedded in my psyche in my worldview the value and the importance of that man and obviously from a, from a perspective of a son but I also see it in terms of fully accepting my role as a godfather because I tell people a godfather is not, does not mean that I'm going to give you birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. It literally means that if, if the daddy ain't doing his job, 
I am to step into the gap to serve that same role. And I don't know if it's society or a much smaller part of society within your own home of how the dynamic is and how you're raised relative to affection from men. Now, I, ra I, was, I was raised in a family where the men were very affectionate. I mean, the day I went off to college, my father and I were still kissing each other and hugging each other. Um, and that's just how we were raised. That was, it wasn't abnormal. But when some of my friends would come over and they would see how my father and I interacted, they were like, wow, you got that's and I was like, yeah, that's how. But that's not how they were raised. They were raised in it. Not that it was wrong, because you can't certainly judge anybody on how they're raised. It's just different. And not right, and it doesn't make it wrong or right, but I was just raised, we were just very affectionate. So with my kids, who were three sons, but now they're at the age of, like, Dad, please, please, please. But when they were younger, they knew that Dad was going to kiss them goodnight. No. They knew when they went off to college, I was going to kiss them goodbye. Okay, 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 so Michael, so Michael, so Michael, when your sons say, Dad, please, 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 what's your response? I don't give, I don't give a shit. I still grab them, hug them, grab them in the neck, and I give them a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> There you go. Now see, there you go. And see, Greg, that's how I roll. All my nieces and nephews know. You walk your ass to the house. I don't, I don't, I don't speak to my brother or my three sisters. Your ass gonna hug me. You gonna greet me. Well, you know. You, and if you don't, you getting jacked. That's a very, that's a very black thing. You don't come in the house and not speak, man. That's that's true. I mean, that's generally speaking. No, 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 no. You can come in the house and speak. Your ass gonna come hug me. Oh, now see, yeah, you've taken it to the to the next level. Now I'll say this: I don't, you know, we didn't do a lot of hug. I ain't hugged my father a lot in it, but I tell you what, um, my father went to work every day of his life, and I watched my father get up four day in the morning every day for years. Some of my earliest memories as a child in Nashville, my father getting up, whistling, washing his face, going to bed, and, and then sometime, one time, we didn't even have a car. He walked to work. And my father, as he re became an elder and he transitioned in 2001, 79 years old, my father was uh, the kind of man who didn't have a whole lot of words, but he demonstrated. And his brother lived across the street, my uncle, and they had 89 children. So, you know, when you saw these men, the affection they showed was through their dedication of what they did every day. My father was like that. And last thing I say is, and I, and I really echo what you said about displaying affection in front of the children. My father and mother didn't kiss a whole lot in front of us, but you know how we knew that my father loved my mother, my mother loved my father? It was the little things they did to support each other as they worked. And we knew my father got mad. We knew when we were in trouble when he would look at us and say, boys, I love your mother. Now, that would usually come after we had done something in the house. And she said, I'm going to tell your father when he comes home. And then he'd come in and say, boys, I love your mother. We knew that we had crossed a line with her <laughs> that couldn't be uncrossed. But I'm saying there are a lot of ways to show affection. And sometimes it's the subtle things that let you know. And that's why I go to work every day. And ain't nobody going to outwork me, brother, just like ain't nobody going to outwork you. Because you had a man in the house that showed you what it meant. And that was the way, in some ways, he displayed love and affection. Because I know Reginald Martin Sr. was the same kind of man. And I see, I see how hard you work. And I know a lot of that comes from you seeing that in one of the ways that love and affection was displayed for you. And the, and the thing for me is, I mean, I, it's like, I had husbands, but it's not like it was a lot. It's certainly not like how I do my, niece, my, my nieces and nephews. Um, but for me, it's also, it, it's also a sign that I just like, sound respect, and this, this is also what you're going to do. Uh, and in fact, uh, Michael, I have, uh, so I, uh, a couple of my nieces, uh, the two oldest nieces, um, uh, uh, both in college, and I had 
one who just graduated, two just graduated. And so one of my, my niece, my, 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 ne my niece fake. So like my grandfather, I saw my grandfather, and my, my different than my cousins or whatever, he would, he would grab one and he would kiss them like 30, 40 times in a row. And so, instead, again, seeing that, I actually had done the same thing with a couple of my nieces. So Faye, who's graduated from high school, was going to Howard University in Nepal. I didn't say to her, she's like, no, 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 stop. I said, girl, let me explain something to you. I said, let me explain something to you. I don't care how old you get. I don't care how old you think. I don't care if you marry. You understand. Your uncle is going to show a level of affection to you. Uh, and not this whole, but I'm older now. And so it's like, no, this is not how it's going to be. And that's how you, ha and, and, and you know, it's interesting you had that conversation because my, my niece is 12. And when she was really, really young, we were very, 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 still very affectionate. We were an affectionate family. But then I got to, she got to a certain age, and now I'm wondering, do I need to kind of pare back that affection a little bit? So I'm, I may be, I don't know if I'm overcompensating. Maybe I need to ask the doctor about if I'm overcompensating right. <laughs> or not. But it sounds like right. maybe I need to have the conversation you had, which is, hey, I don't care how you look, what, how old you are, who you're dating, who you're going to the prom. Your Uncle Sonny is going to stay up on you and be affectionate <laughs> with you. And maybe I should do that so then there's no confusion and she understands that. Doc, does that make sense? It makes what sense. What Roland did make sense. I just never thought about how to handle that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it, it should happen. And, 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 and the reason, and, I'm, and again, I know that people uh, are having some internet issues. I can't pull up the social media. Now, I know people are saying, man, you're going way too hard on this. No, let me tell you something. I know a number of brothers whose dad is not here. Uh, mine is 72. My mom will be 72 in November. They're still they're still with me. Michael, you lost your father in a very, very, very public way uh, in the plane crash. Greg, you lost your father. And, I, and what I say to people is... How these brothers miss their fathers, which means you got to show that love where they get. That's real. I think Greg, and I want the doctors to do dear Greg, we've got to get away. And I totally understand your point, Greg, when we say dads, because Chris Rock said his comment special, dads showed their value just by going to work and doing what they do. But I think for too many of us who are men, we greatly miss our fathers when they're gone, but because of this manhood code, we didn't want to show that affection and how much they meant to us when they were alive. And to me, that's 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 not smart. No, 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 that's real. I mean, I'll give a very quick example. There's a brother who's on faculty at Morehouse College. Uh, he taught at Fordham University, City College in New York for a number of years. And for the years when I first met him at Temple University, he was actually on my dissertation committee. His name is Nate Norman. He retired from Temple and moved to Atlanta and then went right back to work. We all call him Pop. He is known all over the world as Pop. Pop see you the first five minutes, he's going to give you a bear hug. There's not a moment. He does this with his sons. He has two sons, including one who swam for uh, the brother when you know the, the movie Pride, when they talk about Philadelphia PDR, Department of Recreation. Yes. The reason that Norman moved to Philadelphia is because his son Mike was an Olympic class swimmer. He was one of the guys who swam for him. 
And what he demonstrated, to your point, is that I show affection. And one of the reasons that we loved him and love him to this day, and he went to Atlanta and got a whole new crop of young people, these young brothers at, at Morehouse, is that he gonna put his hands on you. Now, in this society, that can that can be you can you know, that line gets a little blurred. So again, I, I'd ask too, Mike, uh, you know, uh, brother Powell, I asked Dr. Albert how we handle this in a society where we're taught now to ask permission and kind of mute. But you have some people, and I think about these men in particular who are affectionate, who not only do that with their biological children. They do that with community children and it creates a safe space. I pop hugs everybody and he and he and he, and he works and he does all this work. And I've never seen anyone in the almost 25 years I've known him that's ever been offended by that. And he is consistent with it. And I think in this moment, we're in a social moment when I wonder how we protect that kind of affection showing because it can be dicey. And I don't know what we do. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe you can help us with it. Now. I think that, um, I agree, I think it's dicey. I think that we are living um, in, a, in a time, in a, in a generational space where people are very unfortunately having to have difficult conversations with their youth, with their kids, um, about appropriate touches and inappropriate touches. And, and, and I think that um, it, it, it's, it's sad, it saddens me, um, but I could see how a simple bear hug could be misconstrued. I can see that. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think things have changed greatly generationally, and, I, and that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. let, let, me, let me be real clear for all y'all watching. I got nine nieces, four nephews. <laughs> they asses will be getting bear hugs. <laughs> They will get a bear hug. If I will kiss them on the cheek, I might sit here and give them a noogie on their head. Yep. Uh, I might do. I will. I, I will play with them. I will because of, because I'm telling you. Um. I, 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 my maternal grandfather is gone. My maternal grandmother is gone. My maternal grandmother. I did not know my 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 my, uh, no, my paternal grandfather. I did not know my. I know my maternal grandfather. I did not know my paternal grandfather. I did not know my dad's grandfather. And I can tell you this. Um, I'm lucky to have both my parents still living. But when you talk to people, and mamas and daddies are gone. Those are the moments they remember. Those are the moments that they think about, they think about that love, that affection, they think about how they talk to them, how they with them. They think they might they might get mad at you. Then why you always playing? Why you always joking? Why you But when somebody's gone, that's what they miss. And, and I just think that for a lot of us, I really and truly believe this, uh, we have got to return to a period where daddies matter. We've got to be willing to say it, we have to exhibit it. We must not apologize for it. We must we must uh, stop this nonsense in major mass media where daddy is inept, knows nothing, can't take care of a kid, don't know how to fix food, and only mothers know how to do that. Because that those of us who've had fathers who've been that important in our lives, I just think that we make a grand mistake when we, when we marginalize that male figure. And that to me is dangerous. We should not marginalize mama. We should not marginalize daddy or that godfather or that uncle if they meant all that to us. And so I just think that's pretty critically important.
uh, for us to do. All right, folks, back to our Mark Unfiltered video in just one month. All right, folks, they're back. MarijuanaStock.org has another great investment opportunity. If you were lucky enough to invest in their last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a lot of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company, and, of course, they are very excited by that. Now they have a new investment opportunity that is as good, if not better, than the last. I'm talking about industrial hemp CBD. For those who don't know, the hemp plant is a cousin to marijuana, uh, of course, and then you, it has a higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all of the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Now, until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants, and this makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. You can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks, up to $10,000. All right, folks, all you got to do is go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org if you want to get in the game. And if you do so, do it now. Now back to your Roland Martin Unfiltered video. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. 
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.